everyone, welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Steve. And I'm Bill. Movies talk, so let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. How you doing, Bill? Mortal Kombat! Get over here! Fatality. No, sorry. Get down here! <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, A-OK. <laughs> with that pumped up jamming... Ni- or mid-90s electronic beat coursing through my veins. I can't do anything else except get insane. <sighs> Boom. Rhymes. Uh, doing fine. Not a lot going on. A uh, new expansion for Warcraft dropped. I've played like an hour of it. Been busy. Nice. Uh, went and saw Kubo and the Two Strings, the latest film from Studio Leica. Nice. Uh, it was fucking incredible. I cried the entire time. I, I couldn't tell you why I did. That's cool. I was just sitting there with tears coming down my face. A lot. Well, that's fucking awesome. And I just kept sitting there like thinking, like, why? Why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's good. really good film. Really, it's great. I, um, not sure if it's better than Paranorman. Okay. But Paranorman's one of my, my favorite from that studio. Uh, but, so, uh, but it's still, it's great, obviously. This, they're the only, since they're the only fucking company doing stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. And they're doing what uh, studios should do a lot of times. You know, use the real life thing and just enhance it with CG, not just make everything CG and just blood. Right. I mean, their films are so unique and their design and storytelling, everything, yet they just get beat the fuck out by cookie cutter garbage from all, from either DreamWorks or Warner Brothers or Disney or anything else. And it's, it upsets me quite a lot that they their movies can't even break even at the box office. It's I don't know why it drives me nuts. He's his films are so much fucking better. Oh no shit! Than, like it's mind boggling. Brave beat Paranorman, which is horseshit for best animated picture that year. Paranorman was by far the best horror movie of that year. No shit. Uh, and definitely, like, because I like Brave, but Paranorman was way fucking better than Brave. And that, that that injustice will never, like, go away from me. It's no. just like, are you fucking kidding me? I swear anymore, it's just a matter of, uh, well, it says Pixar on it, and it must be good. Yeah. Because, yeah, Leica has never won an, won an Academy Award for Best Animated, which they really have deserved for every one of their films. Mm-hmm. And, it's just, it, it, and even then, like, I'm a snob, I guess. I will, it, Good stop-motion animation, which what Malaika does is fucking masterwork levels mm-hmm. of stop-motion animation, I think deserves more credence and um, attention than CG animation. I mean, CG is still a difficult art. However, uh, what Leica does with stop-motion is... Uh above and beyond reproach of what anyone else does with their animation. Yeah, and I, it's one of those things where like, it's... I, I don't think, like, just straight down the line, stop motion is better than CGI. They're both... Uh, they both have their own pros and cons and difficulties. However, it's just specifically what he does with stop motion. He deserves so much more attention and money. <laughs> yeah, that's that studio just... They need, they need more than what they get. I was looking at the box office numbers. Since Coraline, each of their films has, has grossed less and less money. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, their budgets have stayed about the same. Right. So they just—it's I, I cool on whoever's producing their films. I mean, I, I, they must make it back somewhere on the back end between home video or something. It's clearly they—they ne- they are not making money in theaters. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, even though it's ridiculous because like, critically the films are loved they always get really high critical praise yet still means nothing I guess but if your film's terrible has a terrible review that means it gets all the press everyone talks about it and everyone's oh look at this film mm-hmm. the, the negativity of the internet in full force in that regard for sure don't don't say anything about positive films just say things about negative negative, th- negative things about films that are perceived as bad mm-hmm which, there are bad films as well. Don't want to mix mince words there. Uh, but that was great. Looking forward to seeing Don't Breathe uh, probably this week as well. And uh, Mechanic Resurrection came out. Man, I'm always down for Statham killing people. Fuck yeah. That's one of those things. Like, I didn't. I thought the mechanic was fine. But if you just make a sequel, sure. If I can just see Statham kill more people. <laughs> I'm always. I'm just down for Statham in, th- in any, anything, really, so. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think that's a good statement. <laughs> I mean, I think our podcast is pretty proof of that, that we're just down for Statham. Yeah. It's like, how many parts of episodes or whatever for Statham have you done? Oh, like 11. <laughs> what do you think of the actor? Ah, we don't like him. Right. We do this as a, some sort of sick, sick curiosity. It's a bit. We're making people think we like Jason Statham. We really but don't. we actually hate him. We it's actually all, it's hate satire. him. It's satire. Yeah, this is satire. <laughs> like Jezebel. <laughs> Right, just like Jezebel, just being a satire for literal years, and only one person in the world thinks that it's a satire. Oh yeah, that happened last week. I think, I think it maybe happened before we recorded. I can't remember. Uh, Gawker shut down. Hulkamania ran wild. I'm a real American. He fought for the right of every man that was posted on Gawker illegally, but did not have the money to fight Gawker. Well, guess what, Gawker? You finally picked on the one fucking person who had the money to lawyer up and take you fucking down. Well, more importantly, they they fucked with the wrong person who someone else who hated Gawker came in and funded that person's lawsuit. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They uh, It was a billionaire that Gawker fucked over years ago. Yes, that they revealed that he was gay years ago, even though yeah. he, was, cause he was closeted. And he never forget. You know, obviously, when you have money and you you you, you know have a uh, grudge, a lot of things can happen. So he found a guy in Hulk Hogan who had been fucked over, and then decided, you know what? I'm gonna help you out, buddy. I'm gonna tag fun- team match. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, the, what people took out of all that just pissed me off so much because everyone's like, "Oh, this is just a billionaire buying, using his money and buying and everything to shut down press." Ugh. It's like if you call a Gawker press, you could fuck off. Yeah. Gawker's garbage. I'm glad. I'm glad they're gone. Fuck them. And it's one of those things where there's a company that purchased everything to to save stave off the, you know, uh, the bankruptcy and stuff. And they're the ones who decided, yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna close Gawker. Mm-hmm. So it's not even necessarily one of those things where that that like this lawsuit and everything is what killed Gawker. It's like this parent company who purchased Gawker decided just just to close it. It wasn't worth the hassle. Good. And then those the people who are responsible for everything still are still are. Um, uh, um, required to pay like there's, they still have to foot some of the bill for the law for the lawsuit and everything and mm-hmm. it's crazy, so so crazy. They brought this upon themselves. They, no, no shit, they did. Yeah. Ugh. As uh, our one our one buddy said, uh, Dan Locke, uh, I've never been so happy to see people lose their jobs. <laughs> I mean, I, the day when I go to Kotaku.com and I get a 404 will be a happy day. Mm-hmm. No more snack taku. Oh, fucking. Kotaku is everything that's wrong with video gaming. Yeah, between t- Kotaku, uh, Polygon. 
Polygon isn't as bad, but also bad. Yeah, it's funny how Kotaku used to be this kind of like garbage joke site. Then it somehow got more credence and more people started caring about it. Even well, they still... actually did try for a while to like be legitimately good news source for video games. Like, I mean, they were they were at a lot of conventions and like first reporting on a lot of stuff, legitimate reporting. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, but then they like swallowed a retarded pill or something. I don't know. They ate lead paint. <laughs> Right, like, it's insane. There's still some, I mean, let me, let me uh, be fair here for a second. There are still some pretty good writers for Kotaku. It's people like Mike Fahey and a bunch of other people for Kotaku are just complete scum of the earth pieces of shit that I no, uh, just can't stand. Mm-hmm. And they can just piss right off. But that's enough about uh, that stuff. Steve, how are you doing this week? I'm okay. Oh, oh great! No, yeah, things are going great. Uh, uh, Carousel, uh, I have been doing all the bonus features for Carousel. Uh, so that's pretty much done that way. I'm waiting on getting the final video uh, file from Scott Lewis, which I should be getting tomorrow, which leaves me just enough time to order the DVDs for Cinema Wasteland. What, what, when is that again? Uh, September 30th, October 1st, October 2nd. Yeah, there you go, guys. Go see Steve at Cinema Wasteland. Um, so that's going to be my entire weekend is worrying about that, focusing on that. Um, everything's coming together really well. The interviews are 45 minutes long. Uh, I got some good stuff in there. Uh, I was... The commentary is a little light because most of my cast lives out of fucking state. Mm-hmm. And, like, far out of state. So uh, it would have been very difficult for them to get into uh, into Pittsburgh to do the commentary. But I was able to get a couple more actors for at least the interviews. So I got Say Marie before she went off to New York for an acting gig in the interviews. Who And she's Laurie. She's the fucking lead of the film. So that's good. Yeah. And I was, and I was able to get uh, Haley J. Madison uh, to do at least a like an interview recorded on her webcam Mm -hmm. which uh guys if you ever become a really handsome independent filmmaker like me and you decide to do a bonus feature and you have one of your actors do webcam interview uh prepare to spend a lot of fucking time fixing the audio because i totally forgot the webcams recorded 15 frames per second but the audio was totally natural uh so i had to keep on fine-tuning the audio like every fucking minute in her interview to make sure everything kept syncing up correctly (laughs) Whoops. <laughs> but up, up, but up, up. Uh, but it works. She gave a great interview, and she actually said a lot of really fantastic stuff about me and, like, the set as a whole, and it kind of made me tear up because I'm a little fucking baby. Yeah, you fucking pussy filmmaker. <laughs> Why don't you go make your black and white film about a crying clown, you pussy? I should. Why don't you yeah. show. I will make a 90 film. minute black and white sad clown artsy film but only if the last two minutes ends with the fact that it's all a build-up to the fact that this is another butter video. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For folks that don't know, uh, look up Art Film on my YouTube. Just type in Art Film Steve Rosinski and you'll probably find it uh, and enjoy. Uh, other than that, uh, doing okay, uh, talking, uh, to a couple theaters about the theatrical screening for Carousel, uh, sending out some press kits, already getting some press, as you saw, Bill, like a couple news sites already posted about it. Yes. Um, Dread Central posted about it, but it was just like a little blurb, so I didn't need to super share that. Mm-hmm. They were basically just like, hey, there's a new horror movie coming out, here's the trailer, and that's it. But it's still, it's Dread Central, which is one of the bigger sites, so that's cool. And uh, horrornews.net also uh, gave it a uh, blurb like that as well. So, I mean, we're, I mean, it's getting spread around, you know, so long as people see the title. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they get interested. Hopefully. <laughs> That'd be nice. You know, you have, a, you have a pretty good concept for a film. I think you'll do just fine. 
I think so, too. I really do. We just need it to get into people's hands. You just gotta put it on YouTube for free, man. <sighs> Fuck you, Mega64 forums. They live on. No, they're fucking dead. Just like Gawker, I took down the forums. I uh, sued the forums and deleted them. Is this because you are on E one time? Yes, because I was on E one time. <laughs> it wasn't E, it was VH1. Oh, damn it. I gotta get that in my stream ahead. I always remember it being E. Nah, it was VH1. That was a good time. thread. I love that thread. <laughs> Thank you. Classic. <laughs> uh, speaking of commentary, though, uh, it reminded me, uh, there's been plenty of time on uh commentaries for films in like the early early 2000s when doing commentaries and stuff for uh, like dvd releases were getting pretty hot and popular mm -hmm. uh, i remember plenty of films getting commentary tracks where it's like the director or the cinematographer one of those two a couple people but then they'd have to have someone call in on like on like conference call yes for for the commentary so like everyone's that. in this room recording it and then there's just someone on like a phone uh, oh yeah, that, that also happened on Community. Uh, the first season of Community, uh, Chevy Chase had to call in on a conference call to do commentary for a couple of the episodes. Yeah, so that still happens today, even even on uh, big television shows, which is funny. It is funny, but you know, sometimes it's just a uh, bonus features aren't necessarily something that gets a lot of production money when it comes to uh, the basically the allotted money for a home video release. So you well, do what you can. Well, honestly, these days it seems like people care about them a whole lot less than they used to. Like, bonus features used to be a huge selling point of uh, a lot of home video releases. And they're obviously still there, but I just... I feel like way less people talk about them or care about them compared uh, to a few The years collector's back. market, again, the collector's market, pushing, striving things, that's where bonus features matter more. Like, Shout Factory's re releases of stuff on Blu-ray have tons of bonus features. Criterion still maintains tons of bonus features. I think the thing was that... When DVDs were coming out, DVDs were seen as, as at the time, especially back then, were seen as the the collector's market item. Similar, obviously, like laser discs, laser discs uh, before that, mm -hmm. and so people were still enamored of VHS, and so you need to have something to draw people in to DVDs and stuff. And the idea of bonus features, the idea of deleted scenes, uh, commentary tracks, like all that type of stuff, that was the selling point for to, for DVDs and, and stuff at the time. But since DVD became the normal like default method of you know fill, you know getting home video releases and stuff there's really no need for major studios to necessarily have to have bonus features and stuff right so that's why you know you're now nowadays it's again back on criterion and shout factory synapse um vinegar syndrome like these other companies who are buying you know uh, distribution rights and stuff and putting out blu-rays just chock full of special features mm-hmm Hell, I think most of like the Criterion releases I buy anymore also come with like a small like thirty or forty page booklet with the Blu-ray itself. To, it has more shit inside of it, which is neato. That's cool. No, it's cool. That's I mean, like that's the the physical media. As much as I hate this idea, hate this idea, is on the way out. Mm -hmm. I think I think it'll take a very long time for that to happen because I think there's always gonna be people who just don't have a access to uh, fast enough internet to stream content or B don't want to do that. And are like you and I who want to own stuff. And then the subsection of those people who own stuff, which I think you and I also fall onto. There's people who have a thirst or knowledge for more information about the particular film or about the, whatever the television series, anything and want to know more about the making of it and stuff. And there's always gonna be that really core uh, audience for these things that will keep that put driving forward. Mm -hmm. And I, I really appreciate it. I, Shout Factory, to name one. I mean, obviously Criterion's been around for a long time doing this, but Shout Factory in, like, the last 10 years has, like, stepped it up to an extreme. 
on how they get the, the distribution rights for older films that didn't even get, like some, some, sometimes didn't even get a DVD release, mm-hmm. and they're putting those out on Blu-ray. I mean, not just them. Like uh, Synapse is also this way with horror films. There's like all these studios that are Blu-ray in, in general. I think I've talked about me a few times in the past on the podcast. It's incredible to me the number of horror films that didn't like some didn't get a DVD release, or there's been a couple times where it just didn't get it didn't even get a VHS release. Like there's so much stuff that's getting released on Blu-ray that it's it's so funny how like during the entire life cycle of like the major popularity of DVD that these films never got put out on it, but now with Blu-ray like there's just tons of stuff, mm-hmm. and I, that's just really cool to me that that's been uh, going on. I think it's cool. Yeah, so that that's it for uh, the uh, home video. Was there anything else going on with you, Steve? I got sidetracked into a weird home video <laughs> discussion based off <laughs> these special features of Carousel coming soon, guys. Go to go to Cinema Wasteland. Just your first opportunity to buy it. Uh, um, I really have nothing else going on this week. Just a whole lot of Carousel. That's work, fine. Honestly. I just wanted to make yeah. sure I didn't sidetrack what, how your life, how your personal life, how your inner workings, how's it going at your home. I don't so, make sure. Uh, Bill, I think uh, I think I might be getting a divorce. Yes, yeah, so Criterion is getting these great fucking physical releases. I mean, I November, Lone Wolf and Cub, all the all the films are getting put out on Blu-ray. I don't from know Criterion. where I'm gonna. I don't know where I'm gonna live. I'm gonna but lose Steve, my house. Uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is coming out, and it will have the 2003 commentary track from Roger Ebert. My mom died. Roger Ebert is a film critic who is really critical of stuff, but he was the screenwriter of Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which is known as a fucking awful movie. But it's also amazing, and it's batshit insanity. Oh, sorry, what was that about your about your dog? <laughs> oh, fuck it. So let's talk about, like, the two pieces of fucking news we have. Yeah, not a lot of news going on. Uh, what a fucking a shock. Dry, dry spell for, like, the last summer. Uh, we talked last week about Transformers the last night, about there being some, uh, rumor about the storyline and stuff. Well, a particular casting proved that the uh, whole King Arthur's Court stuff is true. Uh, they did cast, um, let's see, uh, Liam Kerrigan, no, sorry, Liam Garrigan, apologies, has been cast to play King Arthur in the, uh, last night. Uh, funny enough, because, uh, he also plays... Uh, King Arthur on a uh, television series. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think it was on Once Upon a Time. Is what I was Maybe I, I honestly forget. Yes, he also plays King Arthur on ABC's Once Upon a Time. That's what I thought I read earlier. I was double checking that. Uh, so everyone's kind of laughing about that. It's like, did they not even try to find somebody else? It's just no. Nah, this guy. He's done King Arthur before. He's got this. Yeah, sure. Why not? I hope that now this guy's typecasted as King Arthur, which just fucks his career forever. Well, what's funny is that I think everyone's freaking out about this, but I guarantee you, it's going to be like. Maybe a five-minute section of the film. Kind of like... It's going to be like the Fallen helping uh, with the fucking pyramids. Yeah, exactly. It's It'll start be... the film where it's just, uh, you know, Peter Collins' a narration talking about something that happened back hey, in time. Hey, motherfuckers! Remember <laughs> fucking Merlin and shit? That magic was from fucking Cybertron. Also That's the face. power of Energon! <laughs> And then Cup shows up. Who wants an Energon goodie? <laughs> hope that was more. I hope that was very John Goodman-y. John, they need it. Where's, where's my Energon cookies? No, sorry, goodies. And where's Bob Weep, Ground, I Weep, Nanny Bomb? Yeah, seriously. I was going to... Maybe that's Merlin's magic words. <gasps> I just blew Bill's mind. I'll lose, I'm going to lose my shit in the theater if that's what happens. <laughs> Holy shit, Steve. <laughs> 
is the I better, sixth I, film in the franchise, and we're finally going to get it. I better post that on fucking Facebook before someone else steals that idea. Oh my god, fuck. <laughs> Shit. I don't even know what to do now. I've like, like lost all means of processing any information. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shut down the podcast with my... Podcast is over, guys. Uh, Bobby, ground and weep, nitty bomb. Bye. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, other news, uh, Ghostbusters is getting an extended cut on home video, and the Ooh. film is now called Ghostbusters Answer the Call, even though the spine art for this Blu-ray still just says Ghostbusters. But why? So I'm still really confused whether or not the Answer the Call part is actually part of the title, and this box art's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty bad box art, honestly, like, um, it's and that's bad. not talking about the film, which I still haven't seen. And I think, I keep hearing that, like, at best it's average, but at worst it's just below average. Like, it's not super insulting. Uh, but this box art is. <laughs> <laughs> this box art looks like complete dog shit. Like, they really needed to give this another pass. Um, give it to a few more people that do art and stuff, because this uh, looks dumb. Well, immediately this is pretty endemic of most... Uh home video releases anymore just a garbage kind of photoshop cover that's uh, that's one of the reasons why i actually like the batman v superman blu-rays so much that you know there was multiple ones and they all actually looked really fucking good mm-hmm. you know they look like art like it was still photoshop you know still like they took pictures of someone and cut them out with photoshop and put them in front of a background but steve stop stop it stop sucking dc's cock uh, i can't help it it tastes so good well, uh, home video release this past will have some special features. They'll have the Ghostbusters extended cut and theatrical cut. Two hysterically haunting gag reels. A, why do you have two gag reels? Four unearthed deleted scenes, 11 totally possessed alternate scenes, and more than 60 minutes of additional extended and alternate scenes of ultraviolet download. Six jokes of plenty alternate take reels. Five supernatural featurettes. Chris Hemsworth is Kevin. The ghosts of Ghostbusters meet the team. The visual ghost effects of Ghostbusters. That's a fucking fact. And slime time. Uh, see, here's the problem with all of that. Here, here's what all of those fucking bonus features are. Um, Feig uh, lets those fucking actresses improv a lot and never yells cut until there's like fucking 30 minutes of fucking footage for one scene. And oftentimes, way too much of the scene gets into his fucking movies, and that's why they aren't fucking funny, even though with a better editor, they could be. But he doesn't cut down the fucking shit because he was on set giggling so much, jerking himself off about how funny these women are. Um, So all these bonus features are just those scenes that were so long that even they didn't make it into the fucking movie. So if you want to just watch four people improv and try to make each other laugh instead of sticking to a script or a story at all, then yeah, those bonus features sound great. Yeah, his films are just stricken with linearama bullshit. That's what I don't like about him. Like I said from the beginning, the biggest thing that turned me off of this fucking movie was him as the director. Yep. But that means, but it's because I'm sexist. Uh, There'll be a filmmaker commentaries and a photo gallery. Why do why do why do they still put photo galleries? (laughs) I don't know. How come uh, subtitles? Why isn't that listed as a special feature? Animated menus. <laughs> animated menus. Whoa. DVD ROM access to online. DVD ROM. Oh my god! I forgot about DVD ROM until you said that right now. 
put the DVD in your computer to go online and find out more about the film. Why not I just still put have. The DVD? Um, actually, this is not even like a disc itself. This is still on older Fox DVDs. They still have that like thing at the beginning where it's like Fox new interactive DVDs. Look at these commentaries. Whoa! <laughs> uh, they had to sell the idea. I get it, but when in retrospect, it looks silly. Rewind fuck. the podcast ten minutes. You'll hear all about why they did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it will be on physical media October eleventh. In another year, when it's on Prime wow. or something. Wow! Uh, that four months after it was in theaters, it's on. Not yeah. even Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a pretty okay. quick turnaround. Wow, fuck. Even uh, Batman v Superman took longer than that. Well, admittedly, yeah, that is, it's 100 days. I mean, 100 days That's is true. used to be the minimum. And That's that, fair, yeah. You know, this is still over that. I mean, movies still pretty adhere to that whole philosophy of 100 days after a theatrical release. You're right, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And it'll be on, uh, of course, digital on uh, September 27th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I said, when it comes on Prime or something, I will, I will sit down, I will give it a shot. I'm gonna camp out, uh, buy it at midnight. I'm a huge fan. Mm. Not I don't do think that. you are. I think <laughs> I you're a fibber. Uh, you think I'm fibbing? I think you're fibbing. I think you're so fibbing, they have to get a defibrillator for you. You're welcome. That's for free. That's pretty good. Uh, what is free is this Ben video Affleck's gift to us. That Ben Affleck posted onto Facebook, which appears to be some footage of Deathstroke. It's a costume test for sure. For sure. Uh, that was definitely live action. I thought it might have been CG, but that was just because of the low res of his fucking phone camera. Come on, Ben Affleck. You're Batman now. You can get better at camera technology. Than well, that. it's one of those things where it's like his phone videotaping a monitor. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as he walks towards the screen and you plainly see a dude's eye in there, that was definitely a live action dude. You know, that that's a costume test, so a lot of people are wondering, is that Justice League? But it seems to be stated that Deathstroke is one of the main villains of the solo Batman movie. It'd be interesting, maybe if they do. Um, ba- uh, Ar- what was the what was the Batman prequel game? Origins. Batman or like Arkham Origins. Like maybe if they do something something similar to that for the live action film, where everyone's like hunting Batman. Yeah. Well, there's also the rumor that like um, it was his solo Batman film would take place entirely within Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Um, but they could do they could do so much stuff. I'm just excited to see you know not a character we've already seen on screen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, in the Batman movie franchise, obviously, we've seen Deathstroke in the CW show. We've seen Deathstroke, you know, in cartoons and stuff, in the video games, which is great. But it's just nice that, you know, with these movies, you know, everyone's shitting on DC for quote-unquote rushing it, but I think it's pretty fucking great that we can just throw any villain we want because they all exist and they're established. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to have a Deathstroke fucking origin film or some shit. It's just like, hey, Deathstroke's hunting Batman. He's an assassin. The end. Yep. Which is great. Yep, we already got Deadshot and we get Deathstroke. Now, now it's a matter. It's gonna be a matter of power level. Like, how powerful are they gonna show Deathstroke being in this film? I mean, they show Batman pretty fucking powerful, so I think it's gonna be at least on par. Because I've seen Deathstroke do some fucking banana shit in the comics. Uh, hopefully, I hope that he is bananas, but not able to attack the Flash bananas. I don't know. The little thing he did in Identity Crisis was still awesome to me. Uh, it was too much for me. Yeah, I think so. For me. Like, I can see why pe- other people think that's cool, but Deathstroke's great. He is Batman levels of great and able to take people down, but <sighs> that's a little bit outside of his fucking 
range, if you ask me. To have the, the, the reflexes fast enough to just manage to, you know, stave off uh, Wally West. Yes. I, I don't mind, like, him, like, never hitting the Flash, you know? Like, fucking Captain Boomerang was able to hit Barry with a boomerang one time ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the fact that it was just, like, no shalom, like, yeah, my reflexes are so fast. Like, he fucking thinks at the speed of an attosecond, motherfucker. I don't care how fast your reflexes are. I don't know, that whole, like, little panel where he's protecting Dr. Light and he's just taking on the Justice League. Uh, it's cool. It's, it was just a bit too much for me. Like if I know, get, no, no, I totally agree with you. Like, I if fully that's, agree with you. that's Deathstroke at an 11 out of 10, I hope that Deathstroke in the film is, like, an 8 out of 10. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or even a 9. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Deathstroke can be a bit better than Batman, so... Yeah. Just because, obviously, he's uh, not, you know, normal human. He has some, uh, some genetic enhancements. Yes. So, I, I'm very excited. That suit looked badass. Yeah, it looks fucking great. It looks like it stepped right out of the video game designs. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all I want. Yeah, now, it looks so now, spot on. That's the great thing about the fucking DC movies, that their fucking uh, costumes are looking so good. They look pretty great. Sorry, you were saying. I was just saying, saying casting. Uh, I would, uh, at least the voice, uh, Ron Perlman. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe even to have Ron Perlman as Deathstroke. Because, again, it's in a suit, so they can just do a stunt, a stunt double for stuff. Right. Because, you know, Ron, Ron looks enough like uh, enough like Slade when he takes the helmet off. Just put the eye patch on, and, you know, he's got the look. I agree. And Ron Perlman still is a pretty big... You know, he's still in pretty good shape, for, you know, and everything. He's still badass. I mean, he can do it. And he was probably the best uh, Deathstroke on Teen Titans, so... Yeah, I'd say so. As, uh, no, he wasn't. It wasn't just. It wasn't Deathstroke on Teen Titans. Was uh, he? I, I thought. I thought Will Smith plays Deathstroke. No, he plays Deadshot. That's what I said. Is that what you said? Yeah. I'm impersonating all the people that are going to be saying that. Oh, okay. I didn't know this was a bit, Steve, because you he came off so sincerely, like you just goofed, and I was just going to go, "What?" I'm sorry that I'm so good. Slade Wilson. Ah, DC's just ripping off Deadpool again. Just ripping off Marvel. Guys, I don't think you realize that Deadpool was a ripoff of Deathstroke. Ripping off Marvel. Fucking Suicide Squad is just ripping off Guardians of the Galaxy. Suicide Squad existed. What? Yeah. I mean, they both... Yeah, Suicide Squad has existed since the 60s. In one form or another. Fucking... Guardians didn't come out until later than that. Green Lantern just fucking ripping off the Nova Corps. Oh, no! <laughs> ah! <laughs> Uh, that's fine. X-Men ripped off Doom Patrol, so it's okay. And Doom Patrol improved on the Fantastic Four. So much. You can call that a rip-off, but I'm... Fuck you. Doom Patrol is a better Fantastic Four every day of the week. Every fucking day of They the actually week. have problems. <laughs> I'm Johnny Storm. I'm a teen idol, but I can turn into a fireman. Ooh. And will. <laughs> I'm Sue Storm. I can make things invisible, and I faint all the time because I'm a weak woman. I'm Reed Richards. I can stretch, but I'm still a super smart guy. Hey, the I'm the thing. I'm the only person that actually got fucked over. Yeah, Ben Grimm <laughs> is the only person with any legitimate problems in the Fantastic Four. The Doom Patrol, uh, Cliff Steele it was a daredevil that had his body basically destroyed, so he's, he's stuck in a robot body. Um, uh, Larry Trainer admits uh, radiation, so he has to be wrapped <laughs> in bandages the whole time. And the only one in the team that maybe uh, doesn't have any problems is Rita Farr as, as Elastigirl. But she can't be an actress anymore because all movie studios want to do is exploit her powers. In the uh, reboot, they added on to that, whereas um, 
she can stretch, but uh, her form, since it's like immalleable and stuff like that, if she doesn't stay really positive about herself, she falls apart. That's hilarious. So that way, she's fucked up now too. That can be good or bad. I don't know. I it, she they, they only did like a short story with the Doom Patrol in the New Fifty Two. They're actually yeah. finally giving the Doom Patrol their own series with Rebirth. I'm not wrong. Not that's written by Gerard Way. He can go fuck himself. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, but and the Chief, the Chief is a cripple, which back in the sixties was meant you're worthless. So yeah, seriously. Uh, but in the short story in the New Fifty Two, it it worked for Elastigirl. I can talk. I can talk Doom Sixties Doom Patrol all day, every day. We don't have time for that. Well, we do have time for today is the second film of this doubleheader about arcade fighting games. And that is Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! Your uh, soul is mine. Your soul is mine. He is so good as Shang Tsung. He is one of my positives for sure. Uh, Mortal Kombat, <laughs> 1995, PG-13, one hour, 41 minutes. One of the few good films from Paul W. Sanderson. Yes. <laughs> Three unknowing martial artists are summoned to a mysterious island to compete in a tournament whose outcome will decide the fate of the world. Sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. Oh. Totes, totes, yo. Totes. <laughs> uh, so, of course, this is Mortal Kombat based off the hit video game franchise and clearly came out as a response to how well Street Fighter performed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, so, it did, yeah. So, Steve, uh, what did you think about Mortal Kombat? I really like Mortal Kombat. Um, I think it's a fun film. I think that it is a movie that, uh, whereas like Street Fighter is an action comedy, this is much more of a straight action film that takes the story uh, more seriously and tries to do it more straight. But it doesn't take itself too seriously. There's still uh, some uh, self-parody. There's still some like joke moments. You know, it, it it's willing to be silly, but that's not the main event of the film. And for me, it definitely works. As you said, I do think this is one of Paul uh, W.S. Anderson's good films. It's pretty much Event Horizon, Mortal Kombat, maybe the first Resident Evil. Maybe. And, and that's it. <laughs> um, but, I, but in my personal opinion, I think he uh, really nailed it here. There's definitely stuff in this movie I don't fucking like. Uh, there's definitely stuff in this movie that is weird choices, but there's also a lot in the movie that I think is done right. And, you know, it pays homage to the games. There's stuff that's, uh, they try to nail accuracy in a lot of the aspects, not all again, problems that I have with it. Uh, but it seemed like they really kind of sat down with like Ed Boone and, uh, uh, Tobias. I forget his first name. Um, uh, John Tobias. Yeah, there we go. John Tobias. Thank you. Um, to actually, uh, sit down with them, like as they were clearly working on like Mortal Kombat three at this time, um, or Mortal Kombat three was already out. I forget to actually like, properly write what the story basically is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the martial arts at times is fucking exquisite. Uh, at times it's a bit too silly and mystical, but this is a mystical world, so it didn't. It's that's not a negative for me. But it's a weird mix where like sometimes the martial arts is really spot on and impressive, and other times it's just like, this is worse than Power Rangers in terms of the shit they're doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. The CG sure as fuck doesn't hold up. Yeah, it was really funny. Uh, early on in the film, there's some parts. I'm like, oh, the CG didn't, didn't age there's too There's parts. Terribly. There's parts where it works. Like, Sub-Zero's ice powers, I think, would look fine. Yeah, the, then, but then as the film goes on, it's it just more like and more... a downward spiral. More, it's like, yeah, it's just a down, downward spiral down, down a cliff. Off the face of a cliff. It's like, oh, ooh. Oh, ooh. no. <laughs> um, I like, uh, I like uh, almost all the actors. I think that the visuals look cool. The suits look really solid. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at times, the cinematography is, like, shockingly beautiful for a silly fucking movie about a fighting arcade game. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of really impressive pan shots and moving shots and, like, establishing shots that, like, shouldn't be in a movie like this, but fucking uh, John Leonetti, you did a really good fucking job on this movie. Yeah, I agree with that. There are some definitely some good shots. Uh, I will say there are some times, though, where there are some not-so-good shots. Yeah, but... for sure. Like, every movie has that. For no, for sure, sure for yeah, sure, yeah. for sure. Uh, this movie is not... The shots in this film are not 100% unbelievable. Just there mm-hmm. are more good shots in this than I expected. <laughs> yes. I will say... Uh, I will give it credit, though, because, yes, there are plenty of great shots. They're obviously shooting on an island, or at least a location with, like, some beach stuff so they can get some good-looking shots to work well with it. I think where the bad stuff comes in is a lot of... This isn't necessarily negative, because this is just factors in with what we're talking about right now. Uh, sometimes there are composite shots don't look very good. Yeah, that's fair. Where it's just like, okay, these people are clearly walking into these... Like, I've seen older films do this way better than what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Like, what is your excuse? No, like, you could have You could have easily made a pretty good-looking matte painting and worked it in with a miniature... But instead, you just you're using CG, and it just looks bad. Looks like shit. Yeah, it's like there's sometimes though where they do use miniatures. So like, why didn't you just do more of this? Mm-hmm. You ha- you could have because clearly... it was the mid '90s when people kept using CG when they shouldn't have used CG. Uh, At least Goro was practical because that uh, could have gone the other way. Since we're talking about effects right now, Goro is incredible. He looks fucking awesome. His fa- the fa- the animatronics in the facial sculpture alone look fantastic. But mm-hmm. the uh, suit actor and then the movement of the uh, secondary arms, like, everything about him looks fantastic. He moves great. He looks real. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty great. Uh, his voice was provided by uh, Ke- uh, Kevin Michael Richardson and Frank Welker. Yeah. And it, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it also required, I think, uh, I, wanna, I mean, I know it's a lot. It required at least, at least over five or six people mm-hmm. to operate all the animatronics on him. And especially because there's a lot of great shots where some elements of it are moving. Like some of the you know, the shots are a bit farther back. There's clearly some, a guy in a suit working with it. And then the up-close shots is when they're doing a lot of, definitely a lot of animatronic work with the head and everything else. The fact that they were able to actually film legitimate fight scenes with Goro. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Like, seriously. And they did two fight scenes with Goro. Yeah. That's, clear, that's clear, clearly where a lot of the time and effort went into... It was with Goro because there's a lot of some other stuff where it's very clear that they did not have a lot of time left to work with, mm-hmm. and it's very evident. Which that, that'll be more <laughs> of my negatives than necessarily right now, right? Uh, but positives going back to casting. Uh, this is another case of those one of those films where uh, an actor can really save it, and that's Christopher Lambert's Raiden. Oh, he's so good as fucking Raiden. <laughs> I, I love his Raiden. Uh, I, I, I don't know why they did Raiden that way, but I'm so glad that they did. And Raiden's never been done that way again, like in any show or fucking other movie or video game. Um, it's... in Mortal Kombat Conquest, right, Raiden's pretty similar to this. Oh, really? It's been a long time since I've seen Conquest, so... Yeah, the, the U- live-action UPN series. Uh, Raiden in that show is still kind of seen... Well, obviously because the show is badly written at, at times, uh, but he's still this kind of, this kind of weird... Um, uh, what's the word I want to look for here? But, you know, kind of funny, kind of coy, kind of god character. But sometimes he's also just written to be a fucking moron, but that's oh. just because that show didn't have very good writing a lot of times. That's UPN <laughs> for you. Yes, yes, yes. But, no, so this this, this version of writing is pretty common in, in the other stuff. <laughs> okay, well, so. 
they definitely never adopted it for the games, and I don't give a fuck because this is my Raiden, as far as I'm concerned. Just this yes. fucking laid back, jokey guy that can absolutely get real when he needs to. But otherwise, you know, he's a guy that's existed for thousands of years, so of course he doesn't take literally everything seriously. And he's also a god. Yeah. Um, he just has a quickening whenever he teleports. <laughs> um, I really like Robin Shu as Liu Kang. Oh, totally. Um, well, since Liu Kang's like the main character of the film... It helps a to, lot, yeah. Gotta have someone good, and he's the best, probably the best of the... Ryan isn't really part of the main cast, I would say, because he doesn't really do a lot in the film. But of, of like the main three characters, of the, like here, like uh, hero characters of the film, I would say he's the best. I'd say he's the best, but I really like. Um, was it Lyndon? Lyndon, uh, Lyndon Ashby. Ashby? Yeah. I really like him as Johnny Cage a lot. I thought he was a really spot on as Johnny Cage. Well, this might get into a slight negative territory, but at least with Luke Kang, you actually get a good amount of character development. Mm-hmm. He feels like the only character in the film that actually gets it. That's for sure. Yeah, although, that, although I'll argue uh, Johnny at least has a character arc. I wouldn't go so far as to say true development, but he at least has an arc where, you know, he goes from a guy just trying to prove himself to actually taking it seriously and choosing to challenge Goro so that it's him choosing his own destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a lot more than I can say for Sonya, who has fuck all to do in this film. Aside yeah, from... since we're talking about characters, this might as well blend the, the positives and negatives here. Uh, yeah... <laughs> Bridget Wilson looks fine. gorgeous. Yeah, she's but... obviously she's a good-looking actress, and she's a fine casting as Sonya. But the writing for Sonya is just garbage. Well, it's not only the writing, but she's clearly not a martial artist. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, uh, fucking uh, Ashby and Robin absolutely are martial artists and do a lot of their own fighting on screen. I mean, clearly they still have fucking stunt doubles. I'm not claiming they did all their own stunts or some shit like that. But there's a lot of legitimate stuff they're doing on screen. Uh, that is legitimate martial arts, and Bridget is absolutely corner hole to, like, hook punches and holding out her arms so someone else can do the clothesline for her. And, mm-hmm. like, the entire time is just painfully obvious. Like, she looks great, but, like, I could see why she was recasted for Annihilation with an actress who doesn't play the character as well, but definitely fought a thousand times better. I guess uh, Cameron Diaz was originally set up to play Sonya. Oh, that sounds way worse. She broke her (laughs) wrist during a martial arts training session. Well, in that case, I'm glad Bridget got it, because I think Bridget would have been better Sonya than Cameron Diaz. Or the only movie Cameron Diaz has ever looked attractive in, to me, is The Mask. Oh, she apparently did perform all of her own stunts, including fight scenes. I mean, I believe that. She just did nothing. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, because she only had, like, one scene, and that's when she was fighting Kano. Oh, fucking Kano was great. Yeah, I, I will say that that's that's a that's a big disappointment area because Kano was well cast and what little he did in the film wrote was great. So, such a uh, apparently Australian shitbags are one of my favorite types of characters between Boomerang and Kano here. Yeah, <laughs> give me more Australian shitbags. But everything between Sonya Blade and Kano, and when they both like Too interact short. finally, it's like three minutes. Yeah, fuck it, such just, a letdown. He just dies. Like, what was the point of that? Um, Kerry Hiroyuka Tagawa as uh, Shang Tsung. Uh, fucking top-notch. Uh, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa? That's exactly what I said. Fuck you. That's not what you said at all. I'm bad. <laughs> yeah, at... Shang Tsung. I'm bad at pronunciations. Portray- his portrayal of Shang Tsung is fucking incredible. It's amazing. I can't say enough good things about his Shang Tsung. It is so can It's the it's the Raul Julia performance of this film, where he is so hammy and over-the-top, but so perfect for the character. Yeah, but still fucking badass, too. Your brother's soul is mine. He just fuck. He's so good as Shang Tsung 
that when they made that weird fucking web series reboot Mortal Kombat Legacy, they brought him back to still be Shang Tsung. Certainly a better casting than the Shang Tsung of uh, Conquest. Yeah. He's not bad, but he's it's obviously he's trying to live up to this role. And <laughs> apparently he was the uh, first and only choice for the role. Because he showed up to his yeah. audition and costume and read his lines while standing on a chair. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> I love that man even more now. Uh, he's definitely one of those people that I cannot see him as anything besides Shang Tsung. Yeah, unfortunately. Like, whenever he shows up another stuff, it is definitely, hey, it's Shang Tsung. Yeah. <laughs> Just like uh, James Hong is always Lopan. Yes. All the time. <laughs> I'll never uh, escape it. Uh, and let's, uh, I guess let's wrap the, uh, the, well, speaking characters, I say, with uh, Talisa Soto as Katana. She was fine. Um, speaking again of characters, uh, what was her point of this film? She does nothing. She helps a little. It's like they entered. This is a. Um, this is. A, I'll save it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to remember. Remember to talk about this when we get to the negatives. I don't want to sidetrack this of all negative discussion. So, it's, but yeah, she's fine. She's fine. Like everyone is in the movie, and their roles are fine. Except Jax. I thought he was a terrible Jax. Even though it didn't matter because he has a two second cameo. But he was in the film for like thirty seconds, Steve. I know, but come on. Jax is dead. Oh, oh, so one of my favorite parts of the fucking movie, for the wrong reason, is uh, at the beginning when you see Sonya going into the club. First of all, this club doesn't give a fuck that the guy's firing a machine gun into an entire crowd of people. And no one gives a fuck that Sonya's just blasted the shotgun like four times. Everyone's still raving. Hilarious. As she's like <laughs> smashing people in the face of her shotgun going through the crowd. With that we that light, that light uh, uh, flashlight on that shotgun is like five feet long and is like, what? Impressive flashlight. It's like the length of the fucking barrel. It's like, why is that? Uh, but one of my favorite parts is during that scene when uh, Sonya's like, Kano better be here. And Jax is like, he is. Trust me, Sonya. I only trust one person, Jax. You're talking to her. That's such... I just wanted Jax to be like, well, what the fuck? Why are you being so mean to me right now? Maybe you're the reason Kano killed your partner. (laughs) Maybe your partner killed themselves because you're a fucking cunt. Like my partner you just threw off the cliff there? (laughs) Where was that in Annihilation? Oh, right. uh, Mortal Kombat 4 came out after that movie. Fuck. Um, But it was like. You can't do this. This is brutality. No, this is a fatality. Uh, best moment in Mortal Kombat as a franchise as a whole. Right there. We'll never talk that. Um, Black Dragon, move on! But it was just like, it was such a weird, like, it was a clearly, it was a writing decision to, like, try to establish the character of Sonya as, like, this no-nonsense, self-reliant character. But it came off so mean to her best friend that I just laughed the entire time. Well, it's so funny that they want to do all that for her character, but then they just kind of, like, jump ship yeah, about jump. halfway through the film. Um, so, I mean, let's a few other positives. Uh, I, I, For me, most of the jokes worked well. Oh, yeah. The, the first joke when uh, uh, um, um, uh, Liu Kang shows up and Johnny thinks he's just some, <laughs> like, like, coolie. Like, hey, when the boat gets here, put my bags on it. Oh, you want to move your bags? Yeah. Takes the money, just throws it in the fucking water, fucks <laughs> off. Uh, Alexa, I didn't ask him to park the car. I really liked the chemistry that the three had. Even if like uh, Liu Kang was by far the only one with true characterization and stuff, the mm. chemistry the three mains all have throughout the entire film really worked for me. And like little stuff, like seeing Goro Shadow and uh, Johnny's immediate reaction is like, "Hey, Sony, you go ahead. Lou and I will stay here." Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, and the high school line in Outworld is one of my favorite lines in a movie. I have to be honest. 
Which one is that? Sorry. Um, uh, I hate this place. I'm telling you, I hate it. I have no idea where I am. I'm completely out of my element. I'm surrounded by people who want to kick my ass. It's like being back in high school. Oh, that line. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> I would say Lyndon Ashby's great casting as Johnny Cage, as we said before, because of his personality. But I would say, when it came to the charisma and on screen with people, I thought uh, Cage and Kang had the most like to get like stuff together. I didn't really feel like Sonya did much no i agree group. i definitely agree with that yeah. again i'll go i'll keep going back to that that like her she was definitely like the low point of the of like the three main characters completely agreed three main protagonists <laughs> and it was just uh just, it never really was working there but uh other stuff i mean the the uh translation of scorpion and sub-zero to the film is really good i got a big complaint about that but i'll save that for the negatives uh well what i was gonna say is this kind of leads into this i i really appreciate okay a spoiler, and we get into stuff, I don't really care for this film very much, but what I, I respect it a lot is because, as you mentioned before, they did clearly put effort into trying to stay true to the story of Mortal Kombat and the lore of Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. They're clearly maintaining the stuff about whole outwor- outla- uh, out- Outworld and the tournament and the rules of the tournament, and even there's even a small line when... Um, uh, uh, Shang Tsung mentions that Sub-Zero and Scorpion are enemies because yes in the game they are two rival clans mm-hmm. and that's because of his controlling of them controlling of them is the reason S- they're slaves under together. his power yeah. yeah exactly I thought that was a, that was like a one line that didn't need to be there but I really appreciate it it could have easily been written as these are my two minions right exactly Sub-Zero yeah. and Scorpion it said no no these are two mortal enemies but they are under my control that's why they serve me I, I really appreciated that no for sure yeah and I like the visuals of all the ninjas um I uh, I like again Sub Zero's ice powers look great. Uh, Scorpion's spear may look fucking silly, and I don't know why they made it this weird symbiotic thing. But I don't either. I don't but either. I did like the overall fight between him and Johnny Cage, and I appreciated that he took him to the fucking Nether Realm, which is cool as fuck, honestly. Uh, I mean, it looks like a '90s metal cover, which you that's cannot. Negative. For that's negative for a second. There. Okay, that's fine. Well, I think it's great. Um, and honestly, my favorite fight scene of the entire movie is uh, Liu Kang versus Reptile. Probably it's one of the longer one. It's one of the longer fight scenes too. This film has a lot of fight scenes, but not a lot of them have much length to them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because there's so many fight scenes, which I appreciate because it's a tournament and they had fun with that. They're able to do like, hey, boom, fight scene, fight scene, fight scene, fight scene. You got Johnny versus Scorpion, Sony versus Kano, Liu Kang versus this black guy, <laughs> <laughs> and Liu Kang uh, sex fighting Katana, and then fighting Sub Zero, and then Liu Kang beating the fuck out of Reptile, and then Liu Kang, and then Johnny Cage taking on Goro, and fucking Goro murdering other black guy. Who, by the way, that guy, clearly just made to be a victim that you kind of sort of cared about, but he did his role very well, I thought. I liked him. Johnny's friend from the boat. Yes. Um, whose name doesn't... He doesn't have a name, because he just existed to die. He's not a character. It's like reading the paper. It's like, because even in Hong Kong, uh, the whole thing about Johnny being a fake is on there. And it's like, no, man, I've seen some of your movies. You couldn't fake that. I liked his character. You know, like, even when I was a kid, as soon as he spoke, I was just like, he's going to die. What's funny is they kind of put him in there to be like this friend character of Luke Cage. So when he dies, it's supposed to motivate him. But it really doesn't come off like it's motivating him to do anything. Nah. It's like he just died. Like, we know who this guy is. Ah, he's gonna fight Goro. Oh, he died. Okay, bye. It, it's pretty much just an extra death so that Johnny says, if I don't fight him, he's just gonna keep killing everyone. As opposed to actually having weight. Yeah, it, it's it's more set up to be like it has weight. and It doesn't. It doesn't at all. Um, I mean, are there any other positives before we get into the negatives? 
Uh, let me look at my notes real quick. Uh, I did like the fight scene between Scorpion and Cage. I liked a lot. Like when they're in that uh, little forest there. Oh, the forest is a great fucking location. That was beautiful. It looks so nice. It looks like all the uniform trees there. It's such a great looking scene. I just wish that location and that like a fight fight scene taking place in that location was not in this film. Because mm-hmm. I, I, any other film like with Jet Li or anything else could have a really cool like well shot c- cinematic fight scene there. This film, it's like they have some CG like dick flying around and then all of a sudden they are after effects into uh into like a slipknot metal music album uh, music fair, video, fair factory i'd say because they did the music for that scene anyway that's fair that's fair <laughs> oh uh, uh big positive of mine uh the scorpion johnny cage fight ended with johnny cage doing his friendship for mortal kombat 2 oh um, I, yeah I, that, that one's almost a negative because like what is this fuck that i was so it, video gamey it, that i loved it i know i like I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I love stupid, cheesy, funny moments. Like, when I saw a picture fall down, I was like, oh, that's hilarious. But it's like in the. It's almost like a fourth wall breaking joke. To where it's kind of like, what? If that, if that, if that shot was in, uh, like, a film. If this film was like Street Fighter and that shot was in it, that'd be perfect in tone. And this film, it feels really out of nowhere. I mean, that's fair, but for me, it's it a, works. That's a nitpick. That's a total nitpick. I fully admit it's a total nitpick on my part. But it's a total fair criticism as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't think I have any other positives. Oh, the, um, those are $500 sunglasses, asshole. <laughs> Great fucking line! Holy shit! And then there's a callback, too. This is the part where you fall down now. Which is a great callback. It yes, really is. Like, because that was a great introduction to Johnny to begin with, was that entire fight sequence, and he's actually on a set, and the Spielberg parody. <laughs> uh, which was supposed to be Spielberg, but because of the scheduling conflict, he couldn't be in the movie, so then they just dress up another director to look like Spielberg. <laughs> Yeah, it's very, there's no doubting that's what she's steering for. But it's, uh, it was a great intro to him, and then the great callback with Goro. I mean, there, there's definitely thought put into, like, the film. Yeah, yeah, it's not phoned in, for sure. And you finally, and you get Johnny's nut punch, which is great. Yes. And I will say, uh, that's the thing, they do kind of do a good job of um, working in signature moves from the video game. Similar yeah. to what Street Fighter did. They they did not give uh, the humans their mystical abilities, except for Liu Kang finally throwing, like, an energy ball at the very end. Yeah. Uh, but they definitely didn't give a fuck if you were from our world or anything. They were just like, magic out like the, a motherfucker. Yep. All right, so let's get into your negatives, because uh, you definitely have more than me. I have a, I have a few, but... Uh, first negative, which is from like from the start of the film. Uh, the Mortal Kombat song is used way too much in this film. Mm-hmm. Every time there's a fight, it's like the first... Obviously, opening credits, that's fine. That's the intro of the movie, it's fine. You can use the Mortal Kombat song. But then uh, there's a fight scene in the, uh, when they're um, going around uh, Shang, Shang Tsung's temple and they're kind of lost. There's a, there's a fight scene, the music plays there. When uh, There's another scene later where the music plays there again. It's just the music is used way too much in this film. I th- if the music was just used for the intro credits and then just for the... Like the first part of the Shang Tsung fight, like it is, Yeah, I think that would have been great. Yeah, it, two times at most, but it's it's used like four times. It, that's too much. I agree. Like it's clear they have some really good music in the film that there, feels very reminiscent of music from the game. There is all, not only like great composed music, but honestly, the soundtrack is picked wonderfully. Like this is one of the best movie soundtracks in my opinion. But I think the biggest problem with using this is also going biggest. You also, oh, sorry, the biggest problem of using the Mortal Kombat song outside of the opening credits is that the song itself. Uh, voices and uses uh, characters' names from the game. Yeah, so it's a bit 
weird and off-putting when you're hearing it in the as a soundtrack piece to the movie. Which, you're like, which they didn't for the Shang Tsung fight, which is why it worked. It was like just the beat. Yeah, the beat, yeah, exactly. But there's a lot of other times... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The lyrics and everything, it's like, Kano is like, what is this? <laughs> it's, it's, what it's, do you it's, want, baby? It's, it's, again, one of those, like, fourth wall breaking parts where it's like, this is a bad choice. Like, did you guys just run out of music to use? Or can you not just reuse another fighting... Like, another track that you already used in the film that doesn't have, like, a very specific beat and not noticeable part of it? Mm-hmm. Um, another negative... This is, again, kind of funny. Um, so... The fight between Scorpion and Johnny Cage. Uh, apologies, apologies in advance if I jump around because I'm just going off what I'm remembering from our discussion. Um, when Johnny beats Scorpion, how does he leave? He waits. I'm is there go- like a is there like an exit door to go back to that forest? In my brain, I assume that like Shang Tsung has to let him out per the rules of the tournament. <laughs> like he, uh, Shang Tsung. Well, that's not in the movie. <laughs> no, it's not at all. <laughs> it's like he just beats, he just blows up. Which again, that's another positive. I do like that they do the whole bit where Scorpion removes his mask and has the. Oh fuck face. yeah! Because you can't kill and Johnny I, Cage, but I'm so glad that's in the movie. Yeah, and they do. I, he, I like the like the lava blood coming out of him. Oh, it looks so fucking good. Yeah. And then he explodes, but yeah, then it's like Johnny just walks off. I'm like, you were teleported to like this demonic realm. I don't think you can just like walk back <laughs> to fucking back to the temple where everyone's at, hanging out. Raiden, hey Raiden. Raiden! <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. Big positive. Raiden punching a random dude and then apologizing to him. You think you're going to get out of here? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, 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 damn bear. Uh, so, other negatives. Uh, the script is pretty bad. Uh, as much as I would... I'm sorry. Is bad in relation to the characters and their development. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a point in the film where all of a sudden Sonya and Johnny Cage almost have like a romantic connection. That comes out of nowhere. Where, where did that come from? Why is that happening here? I feel like I will compare this to Street Fighter because obviously you talked about it last week and I talked about it on that film. It feels like everybody gets a moment and like everybody, even though there's a huge cast of characters, does feel like a 3D fully fleshed out character. Yeah. It feels like they, even if it's like um, 30 seconds, there's at least something there to give you a little nugget about that person. I feel this film does that for a few. It does that so little. I feel like, again, Liu Kang, Shang Tsung, uh, writing a little bit, a little bit Johnny Cage, but beyond that... That's it. There's nothing. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot you could do. There's a ton of backstory going on Scorpion Sub-Zero. You get nothing. They're, my, they're and same with Reptile. They're all just faceless, you know, goons. That's why they're wearing masks and they're all the same colored costumes. Which so is... It's like they took them from the game and just like, yeah, here you go. Which is my biggest fucking problem with this fucking movie. And then uh, Katana is this there... She and there's like then all of a sudden it's like this feeling like you gotta keep her away from them and all this stuff and then it's almost as if they're implying there's some romantic connection to, to Luke Kang for some reason that they don't stop uh, you know uh, um, go with anymore beyond that. Uh, she's a ten thousand year old cougar, Bill. What more do you <laughs> I mean? Need? She's attractive. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like the characters just don't feel like they have. Especially Sonya. Sonya's the worst when it comes to character development. Absolutely. For sure. She's trying to be this badass, but then she's like all of a sudden you know done a pair that's like 10 feet high she d- sexy she's dress. in one fucking fight which is barely a fight and the only reason why it's entertaining is because of kano yeah it's just and then yeah she's poofed good. up hair it's fucking stupid so my and johnny sorry you finish as i was saying even even johnny has some moments but i don't feel like there's a lot going on for with him <laughs> like i say like, he has an arc but you're right about him not having much to go on with and especially if you go to the second film it's like <laughs> they kill they kill him off in the first five minutes and it's like 
Well, bye. It's like the only connection you have to him is that you knew him from the first film, and you thought he was he was a kind of he's played by a charismatic actor. But the, him as a character, he never really goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's he still just kind of feels like the same guy he was at the start of the film. <clears throat> right. Meanwhile, Liu Kang, who I, by proxy of how much development he gets is like the main character of the film he wakes he, you know he feels responsible for leaving the temple and leaving his destiny we get results in his brother being killed and so he has he has to take revenge out on shang sung shang sung if i'm getting I'm shang to sung <laughs> and all this other stuff like there's actually and he, he meets a Raiden and he's like he's very mm-hmm. defiant and really trying to find himself and where he's going and stuff even in the second film he still gets way more development and stuff worked with than anybody else it's just I mean good on I mean it's good too that at least that rough Robin Shu playing him that he's a very charismatic and likable and good looking guy who mm-hmm. can you know do martial arts work and stuff he and Shang Tsung since I'm not gonna try pronouncing his correct name uh, are two <laughs> very attractive men like I was actually as a straight white male, which means my opinion doesn't matter. Um, they were very attractive. Like even I had to be like, "Wow, these are a couple hot dudes fighting here." Oh, what I want to. Oh, that's another positive. I forgot to talk about hot dudes. Uh, Robin Shu's hair. His. Oh hair my is god, glorious. his hair! It's so gorgeous. <laughs> Fucking beautiful. It's got some. It's every it's, time yeah, he like turned his head, bangs. there should have been like sparkles. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's just so so full and. Amazing! Like, where where are the men wearing this nowadays? Right. <laughs> the emasculating culture has gone too far. Too far. We need more manly men, power mullets like that. Um. So I want to talk about my biggest criticism. No, go for it. Go for it. I've been talking. Fucking enough. take you out of the driver's seat, motherfucker. <laughs> beep beep, motherfucker. Sorry. That's that's right. Um. So <laughs> the fact. Because they, they go out of their way, for most of it, to uh, be pretty accurate to the characters and do what they are in the games. As light as the story in the games are, they definitely wanted to stay accurate to that. Uh, but it really bugs me, even to this day, even when I was first seeing the film as a kid, the most interesting storyline in the entire Mortal Kombat franchise is the, the history of Sub-Zero and Scorpion to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and their entire thing with them going to the torment is one of the coolest fucking parts of the entire torment plotline. The fact that Sub-Zero is sent by the Lin Kuei to kill Shang Tsung, you know, to save the fucking Earth. He's there as a fucking good guy. Scorpion literally just shows up to murder Sub-Zero and then leave, which he does. He murders the fuck out of Sub-Zero, not giving a shit about what that means, and then just pieces the fuck out immediately afterwards. That's fucking great. There's a, yeah, it's a beautiful, tragic story between the two of them. Um, the fact that Scorpion is just blinded by revenge, even though Sub-Zero isn't the one that killed his family. Um, because he was deceived by fucking just bullshit happening. It was the rest of the Lin Kuei's Quan Chi, whichever fucking time, point in the timeline you're looking at. Um, but it's just all this great plot and characterization that they really could have used, and... While, like you said, I do appreciate, I do absolutely appreciate and give credit to the fact that they at least added that one line where Shang Tsung says that they're mortal enemies, but they're slaves under him. Mm-hmm. It still bugs the fuck out of me that they're just two brainless fucking mooks. And yeah, their entire backstory goons. is thrown to the fucking side. Yeah, they're using this film purely as just goons under Shang Tsung who have powers. And not to mention, like, this, the Scorpion fight had time and actually something going with it. Yeah. Sub-Zero's is nothing. It starts off strong. Like, the initial martial arts between him and Liu Kang are good, but it wraps at, like, 45 fucking seconds, and then it's just Sub-Zero standing in one location making a circle of ice around him, and I don't know why he's doing that. Like, throw your fucking ice ball, motherfucker. You clearly have really good accuracy with it. 
Yeah, you turned a guy into ice earlier who shattered and exploded everywhere. Like, Why can't you do that right you're now? You're taking so long, Liu Kang can literally just leave. And just walk yeah, out of the room. Like, shut the door. Showed up, do some cool moves, get the water thrown on me, I'm dead. Bye. Yeah, fucking shit. Uh, I mean, Reptile not having character is fine, because, like, Reptile in the first game was literally... The storyline was he was Shang Tsung's secret bodyguard. Yeah, And in this, fine. he was Shang Tsung's secret fucking mook. Uh, Reptile as a lizard looked like dog shit. Um, yep. the, uh, CGI has an age well, and it didn't even look good at the time. Uh, nope. even as a kid, I was just like, oh, no, this isn't Reptile. So I'm glad they at least gave him a ninja suit, even if it makes no sense. <laughs> what? I'm gonna throw you into the statue. Now that statue becomes a ninja. <laughs> uh, what? It made no sense, but he looked great. Like, the, oh, yeah. the, and the ninja suits all look great. You know, they, they're like leather, they look practical. I... I did not mind and actually enjoy the fact that they updated like the face masks to kind of look more like um um like shogun masks although yeah. like heavily stylized you know obviously mm-hmm. uh but it, I dug it it looked great you know reptiles had a little fucking mouth scorpions looked demonic sub zeros was more like um I don't know like temple ish I don't know oh good way to describe it but I, I get what you're saying yeah but it, they all looked great but just the fact that we they just turned the two of the most interesting characters in the entire franchise into fucking goons still to this day does not sit right with me yeah, um, I totally agree with you on that front. That's my uh, biggest criticism, though, honestly. Yeah, other little things I had, um, the, the reason I don't like this film very much is the pacing. Really? This film feels long. There's either nothing happening or there's a fight scene. See, I actually and, disagree, I, uh, which, I, again, that's a very fair thing to say. I can see what you're saying, but for me, I thought this film paced uh, very well, except for Act 1. I completely agree with you on Act 1. I thought Act 1 was fine, though, admittedly, because it's establishing characters, it's getting us going places and stuff. It's just when they get to the island and the tournament starts, there's just there's a fight scene. And then uh, stuff's happening, but it's not very good stuff. And then it just feels drawn out. Then there's a fight scene, then there's nothing happening. Fight scene, nothing happening. It's just It doesn't have any flow to it, uh, to me, personally. And that's, again, why I will get... like. This is kind of a side thing, but everyone always talks about Mortal Kombat being this great video game movie. I'm like, yeah, its adaptation is generally solid, but as a movie, it's really kind of it's boring for me. I mean, the 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 noteworthy fight scenes are um, Scorpion versus Johnny Cage, and um, the first scene, the first fight between Liu Kang and that uh, I don't know, black guy. I didn't give a name, and then kind of the end fight scene between Shang Tsung and Liu Kang. Otherwise, most of those fight scenes don't have much substance to them. Mm-hmm. Even the fight with Goro is like two seconds, and that's it. Like, in the fight between the black friend of Johnny Cage, every, man, these these black actors don't get much credit when it comes to names. <laughs> I mean, I hate referring to them like that, but it's really the best way that proves the fucking point of what they exist as in this film. Yeah, just just nameless bodies. Uh, black Lives Matter, Mortal Kombat. Get on it. Go back in time, figure this out, Paul W. Sanderson. <laughs> uh, and so. Um, it just it just doesn't go anywhere. Like these Street Fighter, as much as people buy shit on it, that movie that movie flies. That movie is constantly moving along, doing stuff. There's always something happening that's keeping me interested and drawn in. This film, though, I just it's just nothing really going on, and it's just kind of boring. And another problem I have with the film is that they keep using the like Shang, uh, Shang Tsung says this all the time, and then Liu Kang says it at the end. They keep saying flawless victory all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, that guy definitely punched the other guy at least once. That's not a flawless victory. I mean, by rules of the game. I mean, it's subjective, Bill. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> and then the... the I just understand some stuff. Like, so... 
oh, Katana uh, and Liu Kang. Just, fight. I just want to say real quick uh, before you talk about this thing that doesn't make sense. Um, I appreciate that they said finish him several times, but at no point did it feel cheesy or like forced. No, it felt very like because obviously Shang Tsung is like this imposing figure, where it's like this guy is obviously weak, and so he's like finish him. Like what? This whole thing finish like, him. You you gotta kill him. <laughs> yeah, I got that way. Their soul is mine. It's just a little thing, but that totally goes to like Harry as an actor. Again, mm-hmm. um, sorry, Katana Luke Kang fight. Uh, Katana, the whole Katana and Luke Kang fight then, because like doesn't have to doesn't have to be a winner. They just kind of stop and they walk away. Like who won that fight? Well, sh- how is this tournament set up? I'm I'm confused. Yeah, the tournament makes no sense for sure. Um, like like oh, there's like 15 people all fighting Goro. <clears throat> well, it's it doesn't seem to be a case where like in the game where it was like everyone versus everyone. In the movie, it definitely seems more like Outworld forces versus Earth forces until like only one person's left fucking standing. There can only be one. Yeah, it definitely Highlander rules. Um, Except, I mean, like only one, only because like as soon, because like Goro's the champion. So I think yeah. uh, basically the idea, and this is me guessing, because you're absolutely right. This is not explained in the film, and it is mm-hmm. a definite negative and a fair criticism. But the way it's portrayed, how I took it, um, Goro's the champion. So it seems like Shang Tsung is kind of like weeding out uh, Earthrealm, the weaker fighters and stuff, with like his other fighters. <clears throat> and then when it gets to the point where, like, fucking Johnny and Sonya and uh, Liu Kang, well, Johnny and Liu Kang, Sonya, won one fight that she was supposed to win anyway, that yeah. Kano literally threw. <laughs> and died. And died. Um, that's when Shang Tsung said, okay, we let Earth win long enough. Uh, champ, you're up. And the champ fucking killed everyone. But as soon as Johnny beat Goro, technically Earth won, except for the rule that Shang Tsung, as a former champion, is able to elect to fight one more round. Yeah. Um, but that being said, that's not in the film. Like, it's barely... Ex- like, the Shang Tsung thing is in the film. That's explained. That's fine. But nothing else is. Yeah, I just understand. So is Katana on the... out? She's fighting Liu Kang, so she's part of the team for Outworld? Yeah, she's part of the team for Outworld, but she hates Outworld because Outworld um, used to be her homeworld that was destroyed by Shao Kahn and shit. So what happened in their fight? They just kind of stopped. So who, who won that fight? Uh, Shang Tsung just canceled the fight. Oh, he didn't, like... but. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's in the movie, but it's still dumb. Like, it's just a stupid part. No, for sure, yeah. So I think that's about it for my negatives, honestly. I think most, like, the stuff that, some of the stuff I talked about is just so big for me that it just kind of hurts the film a lot. Okay. Like, it's, it's this thing, I was like, it's not a terrible film, it's just not a very good film either. Okay. I think it would be my biggest takeaway. Like, it, it, I, I again, I respect their attempts to stay true to the story of the game and stuff, but there are just a lot of things done in the film that just really drags it down for me and makes it not very interesting. Uh, I, th- I definitely like it a lot more than you do. I think it works a lot well, uh, but there is definitely uh, criticisms for the film. You know, it's not perfect. No, it is absolutely not, as we've just got done discussing. So, uh, any uh, final thoughts on Mortal Kombat? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's worth watching. I think it's a fun time, you know? Oh, totally. I, w- yeah. I would always recommend someone at least check it out. Um... Robin Shu, I wish uh, he became a bigger star because he's fucking great in this. He is. You know? He's a really fun, charismatic guy. He can he you know acts pretty well and everything else like that. I'm sad that his modern fucking career is the Death Race reboot trilogy and Street <laughs> Fighter Legend of Chun Li. As Jen. As Jen. I mean, he was great in that, honestly. Like I said, but that's him as an actor. That movie was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. And that includes deaths of family members. <laughs> oh boy. It's like a fucking Nightmare on Elm Street remake, Legend of Chun-Li, watching my grandmother slowly fade away in front of me. 
Um, <laughs> in order. Oh, you heard it here for, first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, final thoughts for me. Like I said, it's not a terrible film, but I've not necessarily called it a very good film, even though, I, like I said, I do respect some of how it handles things. And uh, Luke Kang, is, the, the, some of the... Um, casting and interpretations of the characters is handled pretty well. Christopher Lambert's Raiden is fucking awesome. Um, Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa is awesome as Shang Tsung. Robin Cho is awesome as Liu Kang. Then Nashby is awesome as Johnny Cage. Uh, Hufei Kano. Uh, Trevor Goddard is, is pretty good as, as Kano. He's a pretty funny guy. He has his uh, chest hair shaved into a triangle. Mm-hmm. And he has he's wearing a belt over his belt loops on his pants. Yeah. Oh my god, that trophy's so fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm just screaming at the screen, like, your belt is doing nothing! You're just wearing so, it. So, I don't know what else I have to say about it. If I had to pick between the two films we've just covered that are based off of arcade fighting games, I would always say, I would always recommend uh, Street Fighter over this one. Uh, for me, I think, for me personally, I think that they're equal, but for completely different reasons. That's totally fair. Um, I like them both equally. Like, I, I give this a 4 out of 5, just like I gave Street Fighter, but for completely different reasoning. It just comes down to what, you would, what you're looking more for in film. If you're looking for a, a more serious martial arts film with some humor and mysticism, Street... I'm sorry, uh, Mortal Kombat, if you're looking for a more uh, comedic romp that doesn't take itself seriously at all, um, but knows what it is completely, Street Fighter. Yeah. That's not too far off. Uh, Frank Welker is also the voice of Shao Kahn. I thought that was pretty cool. Absolutely. Frank Welker getting some movie work. Hell yeah. You can always tell it's Frank Welker. So. Uh, and star ratings for me, yeah, you gave it 4 out of 5. Uh, for me, it's a 3 out of 5. Which is fair. Falls in that very average slot, where there's just a lot of things holding it back from being a 3.5 or a 4, where it'd be that kind of like, it's middling to good mm-hmm. and such. So, But yeah, the other two, like I said, I would... Um, in my personal enjoyment of what I personally thought was a more enjoyable, fun film... To, to watch and stuff, I would I would go with Street Fighter. Street Fighter is a film I could I would at minimum be, be willing to watch once a year. Mortal Kombat's a film that I'm glad I haven't watched it since probably like 2005 or something. So it's good to re- watch again, refresh myself to remember like okay, there are some, there are still some things here I'm not quite digging. But I I do agree with people that put it on the on up there as being one of the better video game adaptation movies for sure. Um, it's not nearly as offensive as as Paul W S Anderson's uh, Resident Evil franchise. Oh, I will say, um, as, a, as an aside, um, <clears throat> I rewatched Annihilation somewhat recently, which as a child I hated, but as an adult it actually made me laugh a lot. I actually compare Annihilation a lot to Street Fighter in the sense that I feel like they were making a fucking comedy. Although, yeah, I, although I don't know if they knew that. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. They were absolutely serious. I mean, as we'll, we'll end with that little discussion here. Let's make Too a bad you home. will die. Oh my god! Let's make a sequel film, but we can't. We can only get two of the actors back. Ah, and we'll fuck kill it. One of them in first five, five minutes. Perfect. Goddamn fucking oh! Annihilation is it is legitimately a piece of shit that deserves all the all the shame it gets. Uh, I think it gets a bit too much shame. Like I said, there's there's a lot of laughs in it, if nothing else. And to me, if a well, movie entertains me, it can't be that bad. If you're comparing, well, no, no, no. If you're comparing it quality-wise to the first... Oh, yes, Kombat, then it, yes, absolutely. That, that's where it's like, yeah, it's a terrible sequel, and then because of all that, because it's one of those, it falls in the category of laughably bad, mm-hmm. it's just, it's not a very, you know, it's just, you know, you can look at it different ways and stuff, but that's that's how it's going to be seen there. Uh, as and as always, if you want to get hold of us, you can get a hold of us at moviefilmsabilitysteva.gmail.com. Please email us uh, who your favorite Mortal Kombat character is. Steve, who's your favorite Mortal Kombat character? Scorpion. 
always, from fucking day one, I love Scorpion, which is why I loved his ending in uh, Mortal Kombat Deception, where his ending was literally, he was turned into the greatest hero of all time, because he's that powerful, and they find the fucking Elder Gods finally realized it, like, oh, hey, he can, if we give him a little bit of power, he can def- destroy anything, so he was actually the hero of the Elder Gods, which was awesome. That's awesome. Mine's Zero, the greatest Mortal Kombat character. That's a Mortal Kombat uh, Conquest reference. Zero is the best character of that show. And uh, you can just email us. Email us at moviefilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfilmsfil